Good afternoon, everyone. My name is James Herbie, and welcome to the new XRP podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at PodcastXRP, or you can con contact us through email at PodcastXRP at gmail.com. The XRP podcast is a new platform designed to discuss happenings in the XRP and digital asset ecosystem in 2019. Today is kind of a unique day to start to start our new podcast as today is actually the 10th anniversary of the creation of Bitcoin. Now Bitcoin is not our preferred digital asset of choice here, but we hold some and it is an important thing to understand the path that Bitcoin has taken from white paper in 2009 to crypto and digital asset market leader in 2019. You can't really talk about crypto without talking about the big elephant in the room, which is Bitcoin. And how is the Bitcoin network and cryptocurrency going to develop going forward in 2019 and the years ahead? Now here we are designed to, again, flush out and discuss new happenings going on in the XRP and the Ripple world. Uh, but it's important that we start with just a little bit of a background in the history of Bitcoin, as it is its 10th birthday today, which is in dog years or crypto years, that's a, might as well be a couple hundred years. But you always want to understand where your history is in terms of XRP, where it exists, where it stands right now in the market in relation to Bitcoin and how we might see the market going forward. So if you're not familiar with Bitcoin, I'll take a, a quick minute to just give a, a, a very brief summary of the Bitcoin history. Now, Bitcoin was released on this date in 2009, and Bitcoin started as a white paper. If you're not familiar with a white paper, think of a thesis paper you might write in college, something along those lines. And what it did was it was written by a individual named Satoshi Nakamoto. If you understand Satoshi, the first name there, that is how we measure units of Bitcoin. Now, Satoshi Nakamoto is an individual that has never been identified. We don't know if it is a, an existing uh, member of the crypto community. There have been several individuals who have been linked to the Satoshi Nakamoto persona over the years, but it's never been proven exactly who it is. There's been conspiracy, conspiracy theories that Bitcoin was a government project to test out new digital currencies. Those all may be true, but that's not for our discussion today. It's important to understand what Bitcoin is, where it's gone, because we learn a lot of lessons from the rise and now gradual fall of Bitcoin in the crypto market. It's also important to understand the pluses and the negatives of Bitcoin and the process of creating Bitcoin, which is called mining. And we'll discuss that a little bit. So as we're talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin originally started as a thesis paper, a white paper. And it was designed to be a, an open source 
peer-to-peer network where people could transact without an intermediary or a middleman. A Bitcoin started off very small and originally was used in markets that we might not find so uh, rosy and appealing. Uh, myself, I started using Bitcoin about five years ago because online poker in the United States became illegal. Uh, Bitcoin became a way to transact for people for things like online poker, online sports betting, for other uh, markets such as uh, drugs and narcotics, prostitution. Uh, there are there have been many ways that Bitcoin has been used in shady markets, and if you want to read about that, you can go Google uh, Silk Road and see what what pops up Silk Road and Bitcoin, and you can get a little bit of idea about the more uh, the shadier aspects of Bitcoin as it as it was as it grew. So one of the questions that always comes up is, what is a cryptocurrency's use case? Bitcoin has a use case of a store value at this point. Ethereum had a use case for providing a network where ICOs or initial coin offerings could take place. So the question comes, what is XRP's use case? It's a very important one. Now, a lot of people don't like XRP because it does try to tackle a financial use case that deals with corporate banks and big financial partners. A lot of your Bitcoin believers believe that all blockchains and all cryptocurrencies should be free from all intermediaries. But at the end of the day, you know, I and most of the people in the, the Ripple sphere, we're here to make a buck. And, and we're trying to find good investments tackling real-world problems that are affordable for us. So the question is, is what does XRP solve? Well, let's take a, let's take a, a quick minute to give you an example. Okay. Let's say you move to Australia. And when you move to Australia, your parents stay home in the United States, and they're not doing so well. But you, down in Australia, you've got a well-paying job. So to help out with your family back home, you want to try to find a way to send them some of your money. Now, in the traditional banking, what you would do is you would initiate an international transfer from your bank to another financial institution in your home country, and they would use a messaging system called SWIFT. Now, in essence, what they would do is your bank in Australia would send a message via the SWIFT network to your parents' American bank that basically verifies how much money you have in your account back in Australia. And then for a fee and a waiting time, typically a couple business days, your two banks will finalize that transaction. And in two to four business days, your parents will see that transfer from you in Australia to them here in America. But in a, in a society now where everything is wireless, we're going paperless, going cashless. We, there needs to be a better way to transfer that money. And that's where XRP comes in. XRP basically uses its own network called RippleNet. 
to instantly confirm and finalize international money transfers and remittances. So that what happens is that however much money you're sending in Australia, let's say you're sending $1,000 in Australian currency, but maybe that $1,000 in Australian currency is worth $5,000 in America. The XRP allows us to do an instant conversion in the rate of currency from your home to your parents' bank in America. So that what happens is that there's an instantaneous settling. So when you make your transfer from Australia over the RippleNet system, the RippleNet system converts your Australian dollars into XRPs. And then on the other side, from the American bank, the American bank is accessing the network as well. And they receive, to them, the same amount of XRP in American dollars. Okay, So the transfer of currency is made on the back ends of both people that are accessing the money. No longer do you have to wait on your banks for several business day waits and fees. It's designed to allow money to move across borders seamlessly, quickly, and without a lot of those transactional headaches that we have in the current system. It's important to know how money is moved in both our existing uh, financial system and where it's going. Uh, it's really helpful if we just kind of take a look at how a bank or a payment provider would transfer money uh, today using a uh, the antiquated wire system. So we're going to use Western Union as an example. So if you're using Western Union to transfer money from America to Mexico, the first thing you need to do is you need to go to Western Union and deposit your money. Now, what they do is they will confirm your deposit, and then they send a message through an existing wire system called SWIFT to what's called an FTP server. If you're not familiar with what an FTP server is, that is a way to transfer files online between one uh, computer and another. Now, the existing system, and this is pretty standard for most international transfers, is that once you deposit your money, either at your bank or at a payment provider like uh, Western Union or MoneyGram, your, your deposit is confirmed, and then your bank or uh, payment provider sends a message through FTP to the international bank that you're sending it to. Typically, it takes about three to five business days. And then the other thing is that the bank you're sending money to also has to keep in reserve that money there on site. That's called a Nostro account. If you're not sure what a Nostro, N-O-S-T-R-O, N-O-S-T-R-O, Nostro. If you're not sure what that is, go Google that, Nostro account, and familiarize yourself with that a little bit. It's a very important concept. It's basically, it's it's all the money monies that banks and uh, financial institutions keep on site to make sure that transactions through our existing system are bankrolled in the currency that is needed on the back end. So Ripple has created three different products that it's important to understand and get to know better. They are called XVIA, XRapid, and XCurrent. They work together to improve the payment experience uh, for the user. XVIA allows 
the user to connect to the network by one connection, one standard connection. And with that one connection, you're getting all the benefits of the RippleNet products. So your base case is your base transaction would use what's called X current. And what that does is that gets rid of the need for the FTP server. So X current basically is a much quicker messaging system than our existing Swift and FTP. Now, the problem with XCurrent is that you still have capital trapped. We, we talked about uh, your Nostro accounts. Okay. Now, with XCurrent, basically what you're doing is you're speeding up the transaction between you and the receiver. Instead of using an FTP server, taking several business days, we can do this in a matter of minutes. We are eliminating the middleman in terms of the information regarding our transaction. You get the benefits of faster processing, but the magic is when XRapid comes in. Now, if you add on XRapid, you can now move money on demand using the XRP digital asset. So for example, if we're just using XCurrent, I could send money from here in Ohio down to my uncle in Cancun and using X current, that money will still get there rather quickly. Right? But it still has some costs involved with it. And the my uncle's bank in Mexico, they still are required to have their Nostro accounts. Now X Rapid tech gets rid of the Nostro accounts, and here's how. What it does is X Rapid allows the instantaneous conversion of both currencies into XRP. So when I send my money down to my Mexican uncle, if my American bank is using XRapid, they can automatically convert the amount that I'm sending to him in units of XRP. And then his bank down in Mexico will take that same will take that same amount convert it to XRP in his Mexican currency in pesos. So what it allows you to do is that by the, the real-time settlement, in theory, should eliminate the Nostro accounts for your bank that's required with XCurrent. It's a very important dis distinction. Let me make sure I cover that one, one last time. So in the current payment system, money goes from us to Western Union through the FTP server that they use and several business days before it gets down to my uncle in Mexico. XCurrent allows my money to move a lot quicker. XCurrent is a messaging system just like FTP, but it allows us to communicate in a much quicker way. The only drawback to XCurrent versus XRapid, there's two. One is that XCurrent is, XRapid eliminates even more transactional costs than XCurrent because it's in real time. The other part is that the real time is that's that's the selling that's the selling point of XRapid. Is that by being able to convert transactions in real time, lenders and financial institutions should not have to have such large currency reserves in their Nostro accounts 
to honor all the transactions that come their way. By using XRapid, it uses the software that allows, allows the XRP digital asset currency to be converted automatically in the two currencies that it's working in that exchange. Doesn't matter if it's dollars and yen, dollars and pesos, the euro and won, doesn't matter. Pick any world currency and XRapid, that software, XRapid allows that conversion to be done instantaneously and to eliminate such a need for the banks to keep those no-store accounts. So as we sit here, as the crypto market starts off in 2019, let's take a quick look about where exactly we are. As of today, January 3rd, our crypto market cap is sitting about $130 billion. Bitcoin operates about half of that market cap. And Ethereum and XRP, as they jostle between the second and third uh, rankings of crypto market cap, they both have about 10%, 10 to 12%. So if we take our top three digital assets, which would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and XRP, they control about 70% of the market cap at the moment. That's a little over two-thirds. So XRP is obviously one of the, the big three, so to speak. But how do they interact with the top two? Well, Bitcoin obviously is the first, it's the market mover. It's the first large cryptocurrency out there in the marketplace. It's also got several forks off of it, including Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. Uh, I believe there's one or two others where Bitcoin actually, the, the brand of Bitcoin and that network owns almost two-thirds of all crypto market cap just by itself, if you count in all the forks. Right now, Bitcoin trades, depending on the exchange, somewhere between $3,700 and $4,000 a unit. Ethereum is trading at about $150 a unit, and XRP is about $0.37. Cents. Now, if you look at that compared to where we were a year ago, before the big crypto boom of 2018, you'd notice that XRP actually has gained market cap in the overall picture. Before the big uh, bull run of the end of 2017 to 2018, if you were to go back and look at how Bitcoin was in the fall of 2017, around August and September, it's virtually the same price as today. So year over year, Bitcoin has performed basically at about break-even. So having gone over a few, we're, we're covering a few topics just here, kind of bouncing around during our, uh, our intro podcast here. So we've talked a little bit about Bitcoin and its, its history and giving some context to it. We talked a little bit about the, uh, the use case for XRP the uh, advantages, the the high-level advantages that the uh, RippleNet products, XVIA, XRapid, XCurrent, how they work. We talked a little bit about, uh, we just talked briefly about uh, what the current market cap is. But now I want to just talk a little bit about why I and so many are optimistic about 
XRP's outlook in 2019 and going forward. Now, yes, XRP is a digital asset designed for enterprise use. Its use case is helping banks and financial institutions instantaneously convert international transactions and remittances, payments. One only has to look at the list of partners that Ripple has in regards to its suite of products to know that if you're looking for the horse to bet on, this is a good this is a good uh, barometer. You know, Ripple has currently, I believe right now as of today, it's approximately 150 partners that have signed up for their XCurrent software and service. Uh, it includes a list of central and federal reserve banks in uh, the Middle East, Europe, Asia, the United States. Right now, the... The signs are there if you look for them. It's always hard to say, well, you know, why didn't you see this come in or whatever. If you've been in the crypto world here for the, for the last couple years at least, there is no other digital asset. There's no other cryptocurrency. There's no other business entity that has the list of partnerships that Ripple does. There's also no other digital asset as of right now that's trying to tackle a specific use case like XRP in the trillions of dollars. I don't know where XRP will be in 20 years. But what I do know is that right now, the optimism around the XRP digital asset is light years ahead of... Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of the other market leaders that you see out there. Stellar, Tron. Right now, the entire crypto marketplace is tied to the performance of Bitcoin because it has such a large market share. But you have to remember up to this point, almost all of the investment into crypto has been speculative retail investors. We haven't had the institutional money flow into the crypto market yet. And I believe that you're going to see that coming up in 2019. And that's why 2019 is such an exciting year. Because XRP is going to be the first digital asset, the first crypto, to be able to stand on its own two feet as far as what it's worth. And that's going to come from increased traffic and adoption of XRapid and XCurrent and a greater adoption by XRP in not only central banks, but payment remitters and uh, other payment providers as well. And I think that as 2019 develops, that's going to be one big uh, item to keep abreast of because most of the, most of the time, these are uh, news items and releases that fly under the radar. There's not a lot of, Ripple is not a company that likes to go out and tout with uh, bells and whistles every partner they line up on their RippleNet e ecosystem. But if you stay well-versed in the literature of the crypto community 
and you can take all the FUD that's out there and set it aside, 2019 is a very bright year for XRP. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up our initial episode today. We have uh, kind of covered a little bit about some of the main topics we're going to cover over the coming weeks. Um, typically, our episodes will run about 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, we don't use commercials. And each episode will be up on our uh, podcast site at anchor.fm backslash podcast XRP. Anchor.fm backslash podcast xrp you can also find us on our twitter page at at podcast xrp again you can send us email at podcast xrp at gmail.com in our next episode we will talk about two uh topics from our uh, twitter followers we will discuss the uh ripple uh, lab company and its structure. And we will also talk about uh, proof of work and why proof of work is uh, a a mining activity and a consensus algorithm that is increasingly being frowned upon in the crypto community. Again, this is James Herbie for the XRP Podcast. Thanks for listening to our intro episode today and look for our second episode on Friday. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day.